This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Hosted by Pastor Matt and Jessica Stahlbaum. Morning Breath starts now. Hey, welcome to Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. I'm Matt, and this is Jessica. This is she. (laughs) So what's been going on? Um, You know, mid-September, it's going to start getting into birthday season for us. Oh, yeah. It's a whole season for us because your birthday is September 30th. Yep. And you start us off. Mm-hmm. And then we have November 4th, November 5th, November 28th. Yep. November 8th is our anniversary. Yep. And then December 30th. November 28th is Hudson's. Right. And 30th who, is Reagan's. Yes, who will be 16. What? How did this happen? How many it, years are we going to be married this year? 17. Ooh. Got him. <laughs> I was like, is he gonna get it? He did, did you even know? I was I was borderline on seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> I was like ninety eight percent sure on seventeen. It's funny when you're younger and you hear people like, I don't know how long have you been married. You're like, what is wrong with them? And then now we're here. We're like, totally get it. No more judgment. <laughs> totally, totally get it. Well, welcome to Morning Breath, your drive time devotion. Sure to jumpstart your day again. Uh, we- <laughs> again, welcome. <laughs> So carry on with the rest of the show. I'll be over here just sitting here like this, my arms folded. <laughs> yes, welcome. Morning Breath is your, I almost said it again, that would be the third time. It's a show, we talk about the Bible, it's fun. Good job. Thank you. We read a chapter of the Bible and then we talk about it together. We don't prepare a message, but we do prepare our hearts. Sometimes we don't prepare our minds like today, <laughs> Or apparently. our mouths, no. You know what I'm going to try not to do is slap my Bible. You're like, you know what you do sometimes? Slap your Bible. Bible. I'm like, what? Bible thumper. I am not. I've seen it. Apparently I do. So I'm like just trying to keep my hands to not slap in my Bible. I'm just trying to find Galatians. We're in Galatians, Galatians 4. Um, If you, here's a fun, fun trip, trick from the 80s that I learned about your Bible. If you're looking for, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John starts the Uh, New Testament. Those are the Gospels. And then if you're looking for Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, you can think of an acronym, the General Electric Power Company. That's what my dad taught me, G-E-P-C. And if you get anywhere near any of them, you'll know where to find the other ones. So that's what I was just doing in my head. G-E-P, General Electric Power Company. I found Galatians. That was for free. Yeah. I was going to say God eats soggy worms, but that's never eat soggy worms, northeast, southwest. God eats soggy <laughs> worms. That's so weird. And it would have to be God eats G. What? No. Nothing. Nothing. I just got two acronyms. Totally messed. mixed up. <laughs> acronyms are so helpful. Yes. You know, at a NASA, we used to work out at NASA for like a tiny, well, you just, what did you do? Deliver printer cartridges or something yeah. out there? So you had a badge and I'm sure you got in secret special places that you weren't supposed to go in. Picking up toner cartridges. Yes, toner cartridges. And um, what was I saying? Oh, about acronyms. Like all their acronyms out there are just something else. Isn't it crazy? That's why I chose not to work at NASA because I can't stand acronyms. Obviously. <laughs> That's not your strong suit, but you're so good in other things. I don't even know what NASA stands for. It's an acronym. National Aeronautics Space Administration. Well, I don't care. If I am wrong, please do not send me hate mail. I think I'm right, though. All right. So, Galatians chapter four. Are you going to read it all again? Please do. You did last week. Let me see how many verses there are. So many. 31. All right. I'll read. No, I'll do it. A couple of them. Okay. You got it. I'll do it. Okay. Galatians four. I must say to you, read. 
Now, what I mean when I talk about children and their guardians is this. As long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, even though he is the future owner and master of all the estate. But he is under the authority of guardians and household administrators or managers until the date set by his father when he is of legal age. So also we, whether Jews or Gentiles, when we were children, spiritually immature, were kept like slaves under the elementary, man-made, religious, or philosophical teachings of the world. But when in God's plan, the proper time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the regulations of the law, so that he might redeem and liberate those who were under the law, that we who believe might be adopted as sons, as God's children with all rights, as fully grown members of a family. And because you really are his sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, bondservant, but a son. And if a son, then also an heir through the gracious act of God through Christ. But at that time, when you did not know the true God and were unacquainted with him, you Gentiles were slaves to those pagan things, which by the very, their very nature were not and could not be gods at all. Now, however, since you have come to know the true God through personal experience or rather to be known by God, how is it that you are turning back again to the weak and worthless elemental principles of religion, religions and philosophies to which you want to be enslaved all over again? For example, you observe particular days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps I have labored the point of exhaustion over you in vain. Believers, I beg of you, become as I am, free from the bondage of Jewish ritualism and ordinances, for I have become as you are, a Gentile. You did me no wrong when I first came to you. Do not do it now. On the contrary, you know that it was because of a physical illness that I remained and preached the gospel to you the first time. And even though my physical condition was a trial to you, you did not regard it with contempt or scorn and reject me. But you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus himself. What then has become of that sense of blessing and the joy that you once had from your salvation and your relationship with Christ? For I testify of you that if possible, you would have torn out your own eyes and given them for, to me to replace mine. So have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? These men, the Judea Judaizers, eagerly seek you to entrap you with honeyed words and attention to win you over to their philosophy, not honorably for their purpose is not honorable or worthy of consideration. They want to isolate you from us who from us who oppose them so that you will seek them. Now it is always pleasant to be eagerly sought after, provided that it is for a good purpose and not just when I am with you, seeking you myself, but beware of the others doing it. My little children, for whom I am again in the pains of labor until Christ is completely and permanently formed within you, how I wish that I were with you now and could change my tone because I'm perplexed in regard to you. Tell me, you who are bent on being under the law, do you not listen to what the law really says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman Hagar and one by the free woman Sarah. But the child of the slave woman was born according to the flesh and had an ordinary birth while the son of the free woman was born in fulfillment of the promise. Now these facts are about to be used by me as an allegory. That is, I will illustrate by using them. For these two women can represent two covenants. One covenant originated from Mount Sinai where the law was given that bears children destined for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is represents Mount Sinai in Arabia and she corresponds to the present Jerusalem for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above, that is the way of faith represented by Sarah is free. She is our mother. For it is written in the scriptures, rejoice, O barren woman who has not given birth. Break forth into a joyful shout, you who are not in labor. For the desolate woman has many more children than she who has a husband. And we, believing brothers and sisters like Isaac, are children, not merely of physical descent like Ishmael, but are children born of promise, born miraculously. But as at that time, the child of ordinary birth, born according to the flesh, persecuted the son who was born according to the promise and working of the spirit. So it is now also. 
But what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman Hagar and her son Ishmael, for never shall the son of the bondwoman be heir and share the inheritance with the son of the free woman. So then, believers, we who are born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, and set apart for his purpose, are not children of a slave woman, the natural, but of the free woman, the supernatural. Amen. Amen. Wow. Super intense. Mm. Um, And a lot of us don't have uh, a strong concept of Hagar and... Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and Ishmael and the whole crew there. We don't, it's not in our culture much to think about that. But I was thinking about the fact that this, this chapter starts talking about, you know, being a son of God or a daughter of God. God is our father. And then I started thinking about some of the things that maybe have trained us, um, like uh, you would say, the son of a free woman or slave, some things that have trained us to kind of remain a slave to, uh, even like a person or a parent from your youth who abused you or some things in, in your life that would have kind of trained you and uh, I guess maybe have attached itself to the way that you operate today. Just thinking about how many people are still affected by how they were raised mm-hmm. and haven't truly dealt with some of the problems from their childhood, haven't yeah. spent the time. To deal with those things. Um, I remember, oh, I was 21 years old and I was going through really a new season of life where I'd moved to England and I was just kind of stretching out past my parents' house and past my home and all the stuff that I knew. And uh, when going to England, I was learning just different things and beginning to contemplate about my life, about how I was raised about the experiences that I had and realized that I'd never really processed some of the hurts that I had gone through as a child. And so what someone had suggested to kind of find healing in my life um, was to go through like with a chart of every age I could remember. So like right the age one, two, three, four, five, all the way up to I was 21. And uh, next to that age, write any hurts that I'd gone through. Mm-hmm. And so I went back and, and I remembered something happened when I was really little, uh, you know, and, and honestly, I've had a priv- pretty protected and privileged life where I don't have, like, didn't grow up with abuse, physical, sexual, mental, anything like that. So I, uh, you know, if I did, I would have wrote those things down. Mm-hmm. Um, then as I went through each hurt in my life, I went back through, you know, I wrote them all down, then went back through, forgave the person that hurt me, um, prayed for healing for myself, mm-hmm. forgave myself if I happened to be the one doing the hurting, and then uh, actually to take it another step forward, prayed blessing on the life of whoever hurt me. And when you're able to pray for someone that's hurt you, mm-hmm. you've kind of really entered into sort of the final stages of forgiveness because uh, forgiveness is very layered, honestly. Like yeah. you'll forgive and then you'll realize, oh my gosh, I still have that hurt there. Mm-hmm. And then you forgive again. And then you go to another layer, another day, another thing will rise up, especially if you've experienced abuse or something like that. So many deep layers of forgiveness you don't even realize. So don't be, uh, I guess I wouldn't be surprised. I'd say don't be surprised if it takes you a long time to forgive somebody because you're having to continually forgive as you find new things along the healing process. 
But that was so freeing and so releasing for me that it was as those things that tried to enslave me or the chains that would try to hold me to the burdens of my past, I was getting freedom from those burdens by operating in a principle of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And so so we may not have this concept of what in the world are we talking about with Hagar, the son of, you know, the slave and Sarah, the son of the free. Um, And it's referring to Ishmael and Isaac uh, in the Old Testament uh, where Islam comes from and where, uh, you know, Judaism comes from. But anyway, uh, I think we all do have sort of that relationship in our heart where we know there's things that have bind us and broken us and beat us down, creating a timeline and then walking through that timeline, getting forgiveness and help. Now, I will say this as a side note, you may have some things in your timeline that you don't know how to deal with. And it might be really difficult just to be like, I forgive that person. Amen. You know, that's, I mean, if you went through something super, super traumatic, that's where maybe you would get some professional counseling in that area Mm -hmm. to really talk through some ways to kind of hand those things over, remove those things from your life, get those wounds out. Uh, I totally recommend that. And there's nothing wrong with you if you have to do that. Mm-hmm. We would celebrate that in you. We'd encourage you to do that. It's wisdom, yeah. actually, to do that. And I've uh, been in marriage counseling appointments with you where, or any counseling appointments where you have suggested that people do that. And when they actually do it, they come back and say, that was so freeing, that was so powerful. I had a friend recently who said, my husband helped me make a timeline of all, you know, all the way back to when I was 14 years old and I didn't ever realize how, how broken I was or how the different things that affected me and seeing it, like writing it out, seeing it, like experiencing it is one thing. But when you're actually able to like look at it on paper, you're able to, A, have a revelation of, oh my goodness, I, I need to deal with these things that I haven't dealt with. Um, but B, I think you give yourself grace because you're like, wow, this has been a lot and I need to deal with it. And I think when you get it out there, I think those things that are kept in the darkness and you're just able to percolate on them and not really deal with them, you may think you've dealt with them, but like you said, a trigger comes and it comes up again. Um, part of this process is so helpful to being to walking in freedom and total forgiveness. Yeah, because sometimes we don't forgive, but we do uh, forget mm-hmm. and repress things. And then they come up later, they come up yeah. again. You really got to forgive. It's not forgetting that's important. It's forgiving that's important. Right. You actually might never forget some things in your life, but you could forgive. Yeah. You could release somebody and mm-hmm. not, not hold it against their account anymore. And as we're talking about forgiveness, uh, I think one great way to define forgiveness that helps me, helps a lot of people, when you say, what is forgiveness? You know, Is forgiveness saying that what they did was okay? Uh No. Because what they did wasn't okay and it will never be okay. So then what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is um, like a debt. When someone takes something from you or borrows something from you, they have to pay it back. And when you forgive somebody, you release them from paying you back. Mm-hmm. And you allow God to pay back the debt instead. Yeah. And so someone hurts you. What you want is justice and punishment and them to say they're sorry and them to take that back. And they may never do that. They may never pay you back. They may not be able to pay back. In fact, some people that have hurt us have died. They'll never be able to give anything back to you. So you release them from paying that back and you allow God to pay you back in that area. And and he he, is going to pay you back so much more and And so much better. What the enemy takes from you, God returns in an abundance beyond Mm -hmm. what they take, exceedingly abundantly above or double for your trouble, as some people have kind of coined. God will just pay you back way more Mm -hmm. than what they took. Yeah. 
That's really good. What'd you see? Very helpful. Um, Verse five, and I I actually read this yesterday and it was really cool because it says, so that he might redeem and liberate those who are under the law, that we who believe might be adopted as sons, as God's children with all rights, a fully grown member of a family. And a friend of mine was finalizing their adoption this week with their son. And they've been waiting for a year, so many back and forth. And the process of adoption is so tough. It just doesn't ever, I've never heard one be like, it was so super simple and cheap. You know, like it's always just takes so much time. It's a lot. It's so much time and energy and these children are worth it. And so it's amazing that families are doing this and going through with the hoops and struggles that they have to go through to finalize these things. But the adoption was happening and I had it on my calendar and we were so excited and we we were leading up to it's finalization day. It's happening. And I read that this morning or that morning and I sent it to him and I was like, and because you really are his sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. And just that picture that every one of us is adopted into the family of God, that every one of us, it doesn't matter whether we have had a father at all. It doesn't matter whether we've had a great dad or an awful dad. It doesn't matter. We all have a perfect heavenly father who we have been adopted as his, I'm his daughter. And I have, it says, I have full rights as a fully grown member of a family, as if I was always in his family. I have every right to everything. The inheritance, I'm an heir. I'm not H-E-I-R. I I remember one of our kids was reading this and they were like a hire. What word are you reading? Oh, it's an heir. H-E-I-R as in an inheritance. Um, But I just thought the symbolism of that, like they're adopting this little boy into their family and he, they're adopting him in and they already have two little girls, but they're not looking at this little boy as anything less than the little girls they have. Like he is a fully formed member of their family, even before the finalization day, he's part of their family. Um, And just how we need to look at ourselves like that in the family of God as well. Yeah. I look at adopted children at this stage of my life and families that are doing that and people that are taking those steps. I, I look at those children as those people's children. Oh yeah. You know, from the outside looking in, I'm just sitting there looking like, wow, that's their son. I don't ever think, well, that's their adopted son. Like, I, in fact, in some ways, it's it, uh, it's almost like it's more special in some ways because, you know, uh, they're choosing that child. You were chosen yeah. and such a cool thing. And I think with God being our father, you know, sometimes you might have trouble believing God is a good father because you had a bad father. He, he left your family. He didn't treat you well, uh, whatever. There's, there's that case. And then I didn't have that growing up. I had a good dad. You had a great dad, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we all have, between me and you, we have amazing parents. Mm-hmm. And I just never thought of God as my father because I just really didn't need another father. Like I had a father. <laughs> like, why do I need another father? Yeah, I never thought of him as my thought. father. You know, and I always treated God differently. And um, I had a revelation that he's my dad uh, you know, probably four years ago, maybe five. And it was, I was going through a lot of tough, I was just a tough time. It was a tough time in my life. And uh, we were actually on vacation in one of the most amazing places ever. And I was just a mess because it wasn't the outside that was a problem, it was the inside that was a problem for me. And I just remember God speaking to me so clearly that he's my dad and he's got dreams for me. And I started thinking about the fact that, you know, if your father was um, Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, you'd be pretty excited because he's worth $170 million, billion, okay? Right? You'd be pretty excited about that. Why? Because 
hey, you know, your family's wealthy. You have access to everything, anything, anyone, anywhere, anytime. You know, your father's a president or an emperor or a king. You know, it's like, wow, you're set for life, you know, and uh, you have connections for the rest of your life. Our father is God. And literally when, when we don't have what it takes, the resources or the dreams or anything, God does. He's got it all. And I just thought, wow, like, and it isn't like he's, he's not this being out there that kind of decides, oh, I'll give that to you. No, it's your dad. Of course, your dad's going to give it to you. Your dad mm-hmm. wants to bless you. He wants you to go further. You know, He wants you to be everything that you can be in life. He wants to provide for you. And now being a dad, thinking that about my kids, realizing how much I love my kids, how much I'll sacrifice for my kids, I think, man, God loves me that much. Mm-hmm. Like, more. he's going to... He loves me more than that because he's a perfect father, but he loves me that much to to give me everything. Mm-hmm. Like, not just give it to me, but almost like make it happen. Like, yeah. like sacrificial love. And yeah, I know we talk about Jesus dying on the cross, but it's not just that. It's like, I'm giving you everything that I have. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's such a powerful, powerful thing to understand about God. Well, I, we need to relate to him as that way. We need to remember that because we will relate to God differently if we see him as our father. We will ask him for things. We will not try to edit the way that we talk to him or think about him. We'll go in unedited and be like, I mean, you can read, you can't read my journal, but if you did, it would say very unedited statements like, God, take care of this thing. Like, help me. I know you're the only one who can handle this. And I don't hold back because I know God's my father. And that is the way he wants me to approach him yeah. like, with no barriers. So oftentimes if we live in a life of a lot of rejection and where people have rejected us and hurt us, we have a hard time receiving from God because we're almost more comfortable in a season of rejection. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we won't take anything that he gives us. We'll only take maybe the things that we really, really, really want and we're not getting. And I just want to encourage you that God is a good father and he's never rejecting you. And he knows exactly what you need when you need it. Mm-hmm. And the, the sooner that you just begin to do and participate in the things that he's provided for you, the sooner you'll find contentment and satisfaction in your life, getting the most out of what you have. That's so important that we don't want other people's gifts. Like, you know, being a jealous brother or sister, that's not that's not going to help anybody. Mm-hmm. But if we just say, God, what do you got for me? Yeah. I'm all in. And, and if you find, like when you find people that are all in, they always go further. They always get promoted. They they maximize their area of expertise into a point where people are asking them questions. Um, but when you find somebody who's, who's not willing to go all in, eh, they just end up being kind of mediocre and, you know. Yeah. Fall by the wayside. No one wants to. No one wants that. We all want to be successful. We all want to be satisfied and content in life and have great gain. The Bible says, "Godliness with contentment is, is great, great gain, gain." Right, and that's that comes from doing or you know taking everything that God's giving you and going for it. Am I making this up? Does Abba mean Daddy? Is that like Daddy yeah. God? It's like Father, 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 Father. Like it's just. It says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out. So it's the spirit within us that calls out Abba, Father. It's that daddy God. That's the way that we can relate to to God as our father God. Like a child would call a dad. Not yeah. like a, I don't know, um, a king, a prince would call his dad just because he's- Or what about a teenager? Ha- dad. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> like a dad, like you're a, embarrassing me. <laughs> like a dad, like Adeline, like daddy, 
Daddy, I want to show the other day. She was like, Daddy, let's do a project together. <laughs> and you were so tired. Like, what kind <laughs> what of project? project? Let's five minutes before bed. Yes. She, she wanna build something? No, what she asked you to do is so funny. In the end, it was coloring. It was it was coloring, but like she totally asked you to make like a car or like a model airplane. Yeah. Do you have any model airplanes? <laughs> That's that's how we need to approach our God, though. Like, literally, I just had that. Well, she's a good negotiator. She started with model airplanes, but we ended with coloring. Yeah. But, like, how would you have a model airplane just hanging around, ready to go? According to Adeline, I do. Guess what? God does. God does have all of those things ready to go, and you ask him with expectation. And if you don't know me, I've never had a model airplane in my life that I've built. I know someone got me one one time to build with my kids. And I was like, what is we wrong are not with you? Those people. Are you trying to torture me? We're not those people. I'm not, I'm not a craftsman. I am not a craftswoman. <laughs> I call myself a codependent crafter. Yeah. I watch you craft and then you give me your craft and I'll say it's mine. Uh, Galatians 15, verse uh, four, verse 15. I love this. What then has become of that sense of blessing and the joy that you once had from your salvation and your relationship with Christ? For I testify of you that if possible, you would have torn out your own eyes and given them to me to replace mine. And that just means like you were so excited about your relationship with Christ. What happened to the joy of your salvation? And there was a song that I grew up singing and it was all scripture and it was create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Um, cast me not away from your presence, O God. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. And that is something that I journal all the time when I'm feeling that I'm just off in my mindset or my thinking, like create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And the very next day, I read that yesterday, Psalm 51, verse 12 is where that verse is. And it says, "Restore, restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. And I have never read that together, but actually the joy comes from when we are willing, when we have a willing spirit and we're like, God, whatever you want me to do, I am, I am totally trusting you. I want to be fully obedient and surrendered to you. And the joy of your salvation will come in that moment. And so I just want to say to you, if you are feeling down and out and broken, just let that be your cry to God today. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I am saved. I am free. I am forgiven. I have everything that pertains to life and godliness available to me. Like that alone should give us joy to live out the rest of this day. So thank you for joining us. We love you and we hope you have a great day. We'll see you next week or again tomorrow on Morning Breath. You are listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center, Merritt Island, Vieira, and Coco. Langston Commercial Real Estate, owned by Scott Langston, a senior commercial broker, has been selling real estate and giving free consultations for over 18 years. Scott Langston will show you the best way to buy, invest, or lease commercial property. 321-403-1111. That's 321-403-1111. Hi everyone, Kevin Barfield here with Barfield Contracting and Associates. We are a fully licensed and insured roofing and building contractor. We're located in Cocoa Village, but we service all of Brevard County and surrounding communities. We also offer many discounts, military, senior. As always, we offer free estimates and we appreciate every opportunity that we're given. We're at 454-4531. That's 454-4531. Barfield Contracting, treating you like family. God bless you. 
Pineapple Garden Assisted Living Facility, located in the Rockledge Vieira area. Affordable care with daily activities and a friendly 24-hour staff, making sure you or your loved one is safe and secure. Please visit us today by going online at pineapplegarden.com or call 321-405-CARE. We want to be a church that's focused on God, focused on the people on the inside, and focused on the people on the outside. Love God, love the church, love people, because we're building a life-giving church that lasts. East Coast Christian Center. Join us every weekend, Saturday night at 5.30 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. East Coast Christian Center is located at 680 North Courtney Parkway, Merritt Island. The Avenue Worship Center. Enjoy a fresh brewed cup of coffee with friends and family. Service times are at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at 85 North Richland Avenue. East Coast Christian Center Coco. We now have three services every Sunday morning at 8.15, 10 o'clock, and 11.45 a.m. Located at 1855 North Friday Road Coco. For more information, call 452-1060, extension 100. That's 452-1060, extension 100. Or visit us online at eccc.us. That's eccc.us. East Coast Christian Center, building a life-giving church that lasts. Thank you for listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For additional information, such as service times, events, and more, please visit us at eccc.us. Thanks, and we hope you have a blessed day.